welcome back to the podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the letter of James. Now, we live in a world that tells us what to think day by day. Is that something a Christian should just live with? Well, James in this letter, he wants to warn us about double-mindedness, living as if we are a Christian and a non-Christian at the same time. So let's dive in and hear what he has to say. Imagine the scene with me. We're sitting back in Hobbshill Wood Primary School. The coffee's been made and we're making our way to the table where our lovely refreshments team are standing, taking off the tea cosy. And as you look to the entrance, you notice two people come in through the door. The first is suited and booted. They have a fancy watch on their wrist and a nice leather-bound Bible in their hands. The other is wearing a hoodie and tracky bottoms. They look like they didn't make much of an effort and you recognise them from sitting in front of the Marlows all of yesterday afternoon. Two different people. One smells of money, the other just smells. Who do you go to speak to? Who do you let get in the coffee queue ahead of you? Who do you invite to sit with you and your family as 10.30 rolls around? We've made it into chapter 2 of James and we're being given here an example of what putting James 1 into practice looks like. Let me read these verses for us. James chapter 2 verses 1 to 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. As I said, in this chapter of James, we're given an example of what putting James 1 into practice looks like. And as James says here in verse 1, it looks like not showing favouritism. And favouritism is something that we all show, isn't it? Perhaps we think that we're doing all right with the scenario I gave earlier, Actually, a scenario that you might have noticed is just a reworded version of verses 2 to 4. But when we look deep down, we do realise that we have favourites. Let's push the scenario a bit further, shall we? 
Let's say that the suited guy was actually the presenter of your favourite TV programme. Meanwhile, the other guy is known to be a pickpocket from Hemel High Street. Which of those would you want a selfie with? Which of those would you text your friends about? You'd never guess who came to church this morning. We value different people more highly than others, whether that's because of shared interests or what we find impressive or similarities to ourselves. We can't help ourselves but quote Bruce Forsyth, you're my favourite. And the issue's a major one. Even our world agrees. How we value other people is at the top of our news feeds right now, isn't it? But James points out that it's a bigger issue than just toppling some statues and changing some laws. It's an issue that needs a heart change to fix. In fact, it requires the gospel, belief in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, to fix. James points out that thinking this way is an example of being double-minded. You agree, verse 1, that Jesus is the Lord of glory. You agree with what James has just said about listening and doing, but then Sunday morning rolls around and that situation happens. And so James can say, verse 4, Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Have you not become double-minded? James doesn't let us get away with any form of favouritism. Just see verse 1 again. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. This issue came home to me particularly when I was away doing the Exeter University mission. I was standing in a large open area having conversations with people as they walked by. But as I was doing so, I caught myself analysing who I would speak to. I'd avoid those who looked a certain way and speak to those who looked friendly. In fact, once I caught myself doing that, and I finally worked up the courage to do something about it, I ended up having one of the best conversations I had during that whole week. And the real punch was, this guy said to me, no one ever speaks to me about this kind of thing. Ouch. There are two big reasons why valuing some over others is a bad issue. And James lays them out for us. We're going to look at the first one this week and the second one next week. So the first reason why this is a big issue, James says, is because we misunderstand who is rich. We misunderstand who is rich. Have a look at verses 5 to 7 with me. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world? to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Now in James's day, the church was generally lower class. God seemed to chose those who were poor in the eyes of the world. But can you see the distinction here that James is making? We naturally think that gold, watches, suits make someone rich. But God doesn't look that way. Instead, every Christian is rich because they have riches waiting for them. Riches that vastly outnumber what this world can offer. In fact, for James's readers, it should be plainly obvious that the world thinks differently to God. Just remember who these readers were. We saw it back in chapter 1, verse 1. The twelve tribes scattered among the nations. 
These were people who'd been scattered. They themselves were not rich in the eyes of the world. They'd lost everything. And if they walked into the local church, no one would be getting their cameras ready. And they're the ones who are being exploited by the rich. Cheap labour. And they're the ones being dragged into courts by those who had the money for the lawyers. They're hearing the people blaspheme the noble name of Jesus. Or as verse 1 says, the glorious Lord Jesus. James says that his readers ought to know better. By looking up at some and looking down at others, they've become judges with evil thoughts. They've taken the position that doesn't belong to them and they're judging. They're disagreeing with God and they're actually saying that God's judgment is wrong. God has made those who are poor in the eyes of the world rich in faith and inheritors of his kingdom. Our problem is we grossly misunderstand who is really rich. And in this scenario, it's not the suited and booted guy. Can you see how that works? As James has been saying throughout his letter, this is an example of being double-minded, saying that we believe in the glorious Lord Jesus and yet showing favouritism. In fact, it's saying we're a Christian whilst following the world's wisdom. Did you see that as we went through? To do that is to look at people through the world's eyes. Last week we were thinking about being unstained, being unpolluted by the world. The issue is, we're unaware of what goes into our heads. We believe one thing whilst we do another. As we watch television, the narratives go into our heads without us realising. The morals, the attitudes, the mindsets. As we walk past the magazine rack or browse the online news sites, we pick up the messages they're sharing almost intuitively. As we scroll through social media, read the articles our friends send us, the ideas just pass from our screens into our heads. We start to listen to who the world says we should listen to. And we start to favourite some people over others. Whether that's because of their class, their clothes, their accents, their jobs, their possessions. I can't believe they still don't have a smartphone. Where they got their education, whether they use Lynx or Hugo Boss. The world around us does it, and so do we. But we have the solution, we have the answer. No matter how many statues are toppled, no matter how many pl- placards are covered, no matter how many buildings are renamed, the world will not be fixing this problem. All they're doing is removing fruit whilst ignoring the root. It's a heart issue. It's an issue of choosing worldly wisdom over godly wisdom. But we have the answer. As I've said, it's right there in verse 1 of this chapter. The glorious Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we think of him, we realise that he stepped down from glory into our world. And he stooped lower than us to serve us. And because of what he did for us, we are rich. Not materially, but in the future. As we thought a few weeks ago, in his will, he left it all to you. And so, we have no reason to value others differently. God has chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world. In the words of Brucey, he said, you're my favourite. The solution is the gospel, the good news that has set us free from having to find value in the world's eyes. So as we think this one through, we should listen and do. And we should turn to God in prayer 
asking him for wisdom, asking God to help us to sort this part of our lives out, help us to reflect on the Lord Jesus and what he's done and praising him that he's chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. Well, hopefully that gave us some things to think about. Join us again next week. Hey, baby.